With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode of The Serial Dynasty is brought to you in part by Audible. Audible is offering for Serial Dynasty listeners to receive a free audiobook. To receive your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash Serial Dynasty. The majority of the funding for this program comes from listeners like you through your generous donations. If you'd like to contribute to the cause, go to SerialDynasty.com and just click the Donate button. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Serial Dynasty. This is episode number 7 and I want to thank you all for downloading this episode. Once again, before we begin the show, I want to thank all of you for all of the support that you've given us over the last several weeks. By sharing us on Facebook, tweeting about us, telling your friends, reviewing us on iTunes. Once again, our numbers have almost doubled since last week. I also want to sincerely thank all of you that have taken the time to donate to the show. I don't really like to talk about money on the show, but I would like for all of you to know that your donations have actually helped us reach the threshold where all the costs for the next month have been covered through donations. So I sincerely appreciate that. That's really helping us keep the show going and keeping it free. All right, now as we move on with the show, this is going to be a much different episode than we're used to, keeping with the theme of this show being listener-driven. Uh, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, the number of emails and tweets are just growing and growing and growing, and it's difficult to read them all on the show. So I thought we'd try something a little bit different today, change the pace a little bit. We're going to dedicate most of the time on the show today to your listener call-ins. So we'll see how this works. Uh, here in just a few minutes, I'm going to turn the phone lines on and we'll see who calls. For all of you that weren't listeners who called in, just forewarning, these calls are completely unscripted. So I don't really know what to tell you to warn you about what's coming, but I'm sure it'll be interesting, so hold on to your hat. Now, before I start the segment of the show where we start taking calls, I want to take a moment to talk about last week's episode, The Suspects. At the closing of episode 6, I walked through a theory and a timeline implicating Jay in the murder of Heyman Lee using cell phone records as evidence. I just wanted to make crystal clear, and I think most of you got it, but I have seen some confusion on Twitter and some emails and things like that. People were correcting me about cell phone data and things like that. Uh, I just want to make crystal clear, that is not necessarily what I think happened. And I'm certainly aware that the cell phone data that I was using in that theory was incorrect. That was by design. The point of that segment was simply to demonstrate the point of how easy it is to implicate someone of guilt of a crime simply based on making up a timeline around cell phone records. That was the only point there. So I, while I do appreciate all of the input and I do appreciate all of the corrections on some of the data that I used, um, I hope that for all of you that you got the major point that Adnan is sitting in prison and has a large group of people that are convinced of his guilt based simply on what I did to Jay in that last episode. I also want to take a quick minute to thank the team at Undisclosed and all of you listeners. One thing as we move on with this show that I don't want people to have the impression of is that I'm in some way taking credit for a lot of the information and the evidence that's being presented on this show. While I do have my own theories on the case and I do have my own perspective on the evidence, uh, it's worth being said that nearly all of the evidence that I've discussed on this show has come from someone else. And that's basically the point of this podcast, is this group dynamic where we're all pooling our resources and pooling our ideas. I pull a lot of information off of the source page on the Undisclosed website, the Serial website, Rabia, Susan, and Collins blog posts. So I just wanted to make clear to all of the listeners, and I'm sure you were all aware of that already, that most of this information is not original to me. Now, the way that I'm looking at that evidence is somewhat original, but even that, a lot of the mindsets that I have and the perspectives that I have does come from your listener emails. I've had my mind changed several times throughout the course of the last couple months since we've been doing this podcast, 
based on information that I picked up from listeners. So again, I want to thank you all for that. And lastly, before we open up the phone lines, I want to remind all of you to keep this movement going. Keep emailing your thoughts and theories into me at theories at SerialDynasty.com. And also to keep in contact with me daily, you can catch up with me at Serial Dynasty on Twitter. All right, enough about me. Let's talk about you. Hello, this is Serial Dynasty. You're on the air. Oh, hey, Bob. Hey, hey, who's this? Uh, uh, this is Megan, uh, Mardas in Oh, awesome. So how you doing, Megan? Oh, I'm good. Wow, I uh, called obnoxiously fast after you tweeted your number. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you and one other listener favored it right away. I figured it would be a race. Yeah, true. So where are you calling from, Megan? Uh, yeah, I'm calling from Northern California, uh, Sacramento area. All right, so do you have a question for me, Megan? Uh, I do have a question, and uh, uh, so I was listening to Serial again today, and something kind of piqued my interest in episode 11 uh, that's titled Rumors. Okay. About minute, about minute three into the episode, Sarah starts talking about the different rumors that were spreading around and on, and she mentioned one specifically that she said was the most incriminating rumor that if it were to be true, this case would be closed done like he's guilty and in jail for for good purpose but she never dives into it and i just i don't know if you have noticed it if you've heard it it's i've never heard anybody speak of it but i want to know what that rumor is and i don't even know like is there a way to even find out like if there's something so incriminating against the non that could possibly be true but it was never researched or looked into like is that is that weird i don't I think she mentioned later on in the episode that it was when she checked it out or when she looked into it that it didn't check out and that she, she said something along the lines of that she couldn't responsibly even say what it was. So I think the only way to get to the bottom of it would probably be from Sarah. And I got a hunch that she's, she's probably not sharing. Well, yeah, probably not. It, and she did say, too, that she tracked down because so she heard it secondhand and she tracked down the man who apparently was like the source of the rumor. And he was just kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. But it was also like 15 years after the fact, so I don't know. I'm sitting there like listening to it, and I'm like, no, no, there has to be something. You have to tell me what this rumor is. And then she's like, oh, no, it was nothing. Whatever. I'm like, no, that's not a thing. I yeah, didn't I, know. Not, I not that this... I feel like he is guilty or not guilty, but I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about him. <laughs> Yeah, there's, well, there's so much information out there. And that was, I was, felt the same way about that. And it sounded like she put a lot of time, if I remember correctly, didn't she say she spent days and she was traveling and knocking on doors and then, you know, finally finds out that it's not true? It wasn't, it had nothing to do with the neighbor boy. It was just a man who was, I don't know if he was affiliated with the mom, um, but it was somebody that Adnan knew back in the day from high school that like something happened at a party that Adnan was at. And that's how this rumor got started. And this guy was the source. And then she moved on to talking about how he stole me from the mom. So it was within that same like generalization of uh, the people, I guess. I do remember the the rumor or chasing it down, but as far as I don't know, but you know, maybe putting this out there, you know, that's it. It never fails if I put anything out that either I don't know about or um, you know, or that I'm I'm wrong about. I'll get 15 emails, you know, 10 minutes after the episode airs to. To correct it, so if I get that, I'll be sure to share it on Twitter or shoot an email over to you. Right, yeah. I mean, of course, I did my whole like, I'm a detective. I'm going to find it out, and I'm so unqualified to be doing this, but I'm going to try. And I never get anywhere. But I like <laughs> to think that I put in a solid effort. Well, yeah, I like to think that all of us, if we combine all of our little nuggets of skills that we are, we we together the you know fifty thousand of us make one good detective. Yeah. All right. Anyways, but that was kind of it. I don't have any theories. No, that's a good question, right. and that's a this is a great place to get it out because it'll, a whole lot of people will hear it. So if anyone knows, uh, they'll find out. And I've got some other sources that I can check into, too, that might know a little bit more about that. Uh, so if I figure that out, I'll be sure to let you know either on the show or an email or on Twitter. Awesome. Sounds good. Great. Well, I got people beeping in. Megan, did you have anything else before I let you go? Uh, no, just thanks for the two email shout-outs and the response to the email that I sent. So, no, but thank you for just making our listeners feel like they're actually a part of something and not just overlooking everything that will contribute because it makes a difference. Oh, well, you guys definitely do make a difference. Well, thanks again, Megan, for calling. I'm going to move on to the next call, and I'm sure I'll see you on Twitter. Yeah, sounds good. All right, take care. Thank you. This is Serial Dynasty. This is Bob. You're on the air. Oh, hey, Bob. <laughs> I was just calling just to let you know that I am totally loving the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for the call. Job. 
Who you am I talking to? You did an amazing job. Oh, thanks. My name is Sonia. Where are you from, Sonia? I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. Oh, right around the corner. I'm just right around the corner in the very southwest corner of Michigan. Oh, cool. But, but yeah, you're doing a great job. Keep up the great work. I love that you guys are all looking into this and really feel like a change is coming for for Adnan. Yeah, I really hope so. I really think with getting everybody together is going to make a big difference. And, you know, we couldn't do it without all of you contributing. So I really appreciate you guys, too. No problem. Keep up the great work, you guys. Love it. All right. Take care, Sonia. Thank you. Bye-bye. So the Serial Dynasty, this is Bob. You're on the air. Hi, Bob. Um, my name is Amy. Uh, Twitter handle ASC1018. Oh, hey, Amy. I think I've I've tweeted back and forth with you a couple of times. We have, and I had emailed you earlier in the week, and um, not sure kind of where you're going with things this week, but I have a theory. Awesome. Well, um, go right ahead with it. So, you know, after everything that's come out back this week, in um, undisclosed with the um, evidence about the burial and all of that, it leads me back to the thought around Don, right? Okay. Because um, my theory around him was that, you know, he, hey, was obviously very into him. Um, high school girl, you know, kind of head over heels, new relationship, um, really into it. Um, my theory is that he does something that came up after school that she had to do. She'd asked him the day before to help her skip school. Right. And he said no. Um, so, and you know, a girl at that age who's had over heels would, would drive or even take, go anywhere for five minutes to go, you know, for that one kid. Oh, did I lose you, Amy? Oh, shoot. I think we lost Amy. Whoop. Oh, there uh, you are. You're back. There I am. Yep. I heard yep. you say that, uh, so, They'd go in, they cut off right after you said that, um, a girl that age would go, you know, drive as far as she needed to just for five minutes, just for one yeah. kiss. Yeah, if you're that infatuated when you're, you know, a teenage girl. Um, and you know, from there, maybe, you know, I, there are a million scenarios you can go from there is what happened. You know, did she catch him with someone else? Did he say, oh, I'm not that into you? You know, lots of things, but could it have been an argument? We know now that there was blunt force trauma. Could it have started out even as an argument that an accident happened even? And then, you know, did the strangulation come even as to cover something up? Or was it a heated argument where that's what he meant to do? You know, there are a lot of scenarios that can come out of that particular part of it. But when you think about the time of when she was buried and, you know, the, uh, the, part where he was he he's kind of unaccounted for for that period of time and wasn't available to talk to the cops until one thirty, which was kind of suspicious all around right it all starts to kind of fit it all starts to fit together right yeah there's a you know there's a lot of speculation around donna and i i can't you know if, if i was investigating this case with the information that we have available to us right now which isn't much on him there's definitely not enough there for me to rule him out as a suspect but at the same time, mm-hmm. we just, you know, at the same time, we're only working off of, uh, you know, what we have from the police at that time. Um, as, as far as exactly. the time, yeah. And as, as far as the timeline goes, you know, one thing, a lot of people were talking about a quick trip to go maybe see Don or something like that. But the, another thing to think about is Hay was supposed to pick up her cousin at 315, um, at the Campfield Learning Center. And then after that, she wasn't supposed to be at work until six o'clock. And it's about a 10 minute drive from the learning center to Lens Crafters and then about 20 minutes back to the store where she worked. So if that was her plan, just something to think about, her plan could have been to go pick up her cousin and then go up and see Don. Um, so then that still leads, it leaves us with the fact that it appears that she was intercepted before she ever got to the learning center unless she just didn't go there. Um, but then That's you have a the- really good point. Yeah, and then you have the, you still then have the one thirty in the morning thing, and we know that she was buried somewhere probably around 11 o'clock midnight. So, I don't know. I mean, there's just, there's not, there's just a lot of questions around Don, but, but that's the reason that I'm not, you know, deeply looking into him is, and not that I'm, I'm not investigating every angle, at least the best that I can with the information that I'm getting from you all, uh, is, is just the fact that there's not a whole lot of information to look at. And in my mind, yeah. I'm pretty convinced that she was intercepted before she got to her cousin's. If she was going to go see Don, just thinking practically as, you know, being that age, 
it would make more sense to me at least that she would go pick up her cousin, drop her off, and then go see Don. She would have a solid hour and a half to spend with Don before she had to be to work at six. That is a really good point that I hadn't been really, you know, thinking of the timeline that way. That's something either I hadn't heard or that I had forgotten in time because, yeah, you're right. Um, but, you know, the thing comes around. It, it is still, and the, the thing that gets me about the whole thing with him is because of the shoddy investigation around the whole thing, it might be almost impossible to ever prove. There can be lots of circumstances and lots of theory, but how do you go about proving that after all this time when nobody else was ever investigated? Like I said, it might be, I honestly think there's enough to think that Adnan is innocent, but is there a, because of the way the investigation was run, ever going to be anything, enough information on anyone else to solve it? Yeah, and I I think personally the only way that this thing is ever going to get solved is one of two ways. One, um, the you know, Robbie and her team and Adnan's legal team and, you know, the Innocence Project is going to get the DNA testing done yeah. on the hair that was on her body and the brandy bottle and the rope, you know, if that evidence is even available to test. Or I think mm-hmm. personally the more likely outcome is that someone who knows what happened that was uninvolved finally talks you know whether they're you know, finally going to come forward right you know the, the culprit is is not likely to talk because why would they but there have to be people right. that know what happened that were peripheral to it that weren't directly involved and i feel like at some point you know kind of my hope with this show is that we have enough people to put enough pressure on or to make it come to public light enough where somebody just finally gives up the gives up the goat yep hope so i mean i would love for there you know if it, it would be enough for me, as the listener and who's, you know, kind of gotten into the whole thing, um, just to see Adon go free, but it would be, I mean, just to think a hundred times more just to see someone else, you know, brought to justice for it. I mean, think about what they've taken away from him, and it, it's just... Well, and from Hay, too, and actually, her family. You know, that's, yeah, exactly. That's, you know, I, you know, like I mentioned in the last episode, I'm not looking... Um, I'm not forgetting about the fact that we need to get Adnan out of prison, um, because that's, you know, that's priority one, but, but, you know, the other priority there is to solve this murder for justice for Adnan and justice for Hay and her family. Um, and the other part of that is, and, you know, and I'm not a lawyer and I'm not real familiar with how the legal system works, but I have more confidence that the way to get Adnan out of prison, that that was actually going to happen in a reasonable amount of time will be if it's solved mm-hmm. and found out to be someone else as opposed to going through the yeah. court process, which will work, but it's take just going to take time. yeah years. Year, I mean, when Colin was on the show, he said, you know, you're looking at, you know, probably years, you know, two, three, it could be even more than that mm-hmm. with all the appeals before he ever would get out through the court system. Yep. yep. So hopefully maybe, you know, with, like you said, with the innocence project and all that, there's going to be some discovery of DNA. Yep, and there's there's just so many people with um you know especially with undisclosed and and even through this show with all the listener base here, there's so many people sleuthing this case right now. It's just it's incredible how much support there is. I feel like if there's something out there, the more people we add to this movement through undisclosed and through Serial Dynasty, that somebody's gonna find something. At the same time, you know it's it's we have to toe the line. You know, like even with the Don discussion. It's like we we're talking about these things and and I think that we need to and try to figure out what happened, but it's really hard to toe that line because you know I don't want to implicate or ruin somebody's life based on mm-hmm. speculation. So it's 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 really tricky uh, to have those conversations and do that, and then also to you know pr- put a call out for everybody to help try and solve this murder, and at the same time hope that we don't have a bunch of vigilantes going out there that understand we need to do. Oh yeah. Do research and work through the proper channels, and hopefully, hopefully, at some point, we'll get this thing solved and we'll get Adnan out of prison. Yep, most definitely. You know, if nothing else, the, you know, as I look at it, I'm not like doing research. Quite honestly, I, I'm a listener and I theorize, and I don't have time. Quite honestly, amongst everything else in my life, to sit out and and research and and do all that kind of stuff. Because um, you know, my real life just doesn't allow that kind of free time. Right. Um, 
But if nothing else, all the theories that come up and people start talking, it might spark something, even if that part of it, you know, it's only part of the theory that leads us to the next theory that really does pan out. Yeah, and sometimes it could be something as simple as someone else's idea kind of changing your perspective in the way that you're looking at a piece of evidence that someone else exactly. has found. And I'm the same as you. You know, I, I, I try to do a lot of re research. I'm, I don't have all that much time and that's why I rely on all of you, uh, to find as much information as you can so I can, you know, listen to it and read it through emails instead of having to track it down. I'm a cheater. <laughs> well, I have, I have yeah. one last question for you, Amy, before I let you go. Cubs or White Sox? Oh, Cubs. Oh, thank God. And, and you're a Bears fan, North right? Cider. Right on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. And then go Hawks. <laughs> All righty. Well, Amy, thanks for the call. It was a great call, and uh, you'll be hearing it on Sunday. Well, keep up the good work. I'm enjoying the uh, episodes and can't wait till Sunday. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, this is Serial Dynasty. You're speaking to Bob and you're on the air. Hi, Bob. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Uh, my name is Brandon. I believe you live in uh, Michigan, don't you, Bob? I do. I think you're you do? Okay, I live in Michigan also, so fellow Michigan resident here. Another Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Notre Dame fan uh, myself, though. The, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I've been, uh, I was a real, uh, real big fan of Serial, and I discovered, uh, your podcast a couple days ago, and I've been listening ever since. I think you do a really fine job of, uh, analyzing Serial in the Undisclosed podcast. Oh, thank you for that. And uh, I think one of the reasons I like cereal and maybe why some others like cereal is I've uh, begun to feel like there are a lot of issues with the uh, the justice system in the United States, a lot of areas of fairness related to things like uh, bail. And I know uh, last week tonight with John Oliver just did a good segment on bail and the way the plea bargain system works and uh, also prosecutorial misconduct is I wanted to speak to you. A little bit about uh, Kevin Urich. I know you said you have some uh, information about Kevin Urich. You're uh, kind of going over and you prepare, you're preparing to talk about him a little more in the future. Right. Uh, but I recently listened to, I think it was uh, your third episode, perhaps, where you talked about uh, Kevin Urich, uh, how he should be worried that uh, Robbie Adshavari is you know, coming for him. He should be kind of shaking his boots a little bit. Yeah, that was episode four. That was episode four, okay. Yeah. Well, um, in terms of prosecutorial misconduct, um, let me preface this by saying I'm not in any way a legal expert or law enforcement expert, but it's uh, something I've read a little bit about in the past. And from what I understand, in uh, 1976, there was a Supreme Court decision, I believe it's called Imbler versus uh, Paxman, okay. which uh, states that uh, it essentially gives prosecutors immunity in civil suits resulting from any misconduct they may have um, committed. Oh, really? So I, yes, and um, so I did a little bit of uh, Googling to try to find cases I've read about in the news in the past, and in the L.A. Times, there is an article from March 30th, the year 2011. Headline reads, uh, Supreme Court rejects damages for innocent man who spent 14 years on death row. This case involves a man named John Thompson who had been sentenced to death for murder and uh, a private investigator hired by his lawyer discovered a blood sample that showed he could not have committed the crime. Um, his, he's the wrong blood type. 
to the person who left DNA behind. Okay. And uh, four different prosecutors were aware of this blood sample and uh, concealed it. So he won a $14 million in damages in a civil suit, but the uh, Supreme Court of the United States uh, overturned this verdict, stating that prosecutors are uh, immune. There's another case involving a man um, named Alan Gell, I believe, who um, he he was also exonerated from death row. He was able to successfully sue the city, but the uh, prosecutors he tried to name in the suit, um, his charges against them were were dismissed because they had immunity. Wow, I didn't know that. So uh, were you able to find any cases where a civil suit was awarded? Uh, yes, I believe so. There was, um, I found a case where, um, the prosecutors were, um, had to face an ethics hearing at the state bar to see if they would be able to keep their law licenses. But, um, there was a case, I can't remember what it was, I believe it was in New York. They, uh, the court in New York, a circuit court, I believe, ruled that prosecutors who, uh, intentionally fabricate evidence are not immune. Okay, and that so I believe that's just in the state of New York at this point. Okay, now um, and this is. So I guess, sorry, go ahead. So I guess it probably varies state by state, but Kevin York may not be um, really facing any consequences for any misconduct he may have committed. I, well, I think we can. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I think we can probably get to the bottom of that uh, fairly quickly. There's a lot of attorneys and prosecutors and people involved with the legal system uh, that listen to the show, so hopefully we'll get some response from this after this episode drops on Sunday. Now, in your in your research, did you find you said they're immune from any uh, civil suits? Uh, did you find anything that involved them being charged criminally for any of their actions? Uh, the closest I found was I wasn't able to find this article again, but I believe I read about a case where a prosecutor had concealed uh, exculpatory evidence on a man who was on death row, where essentially the prosecutor had the evidence in front of that this man was guilty and proceeded with pushing for the death penalty, having him put to death anyway. And the man, after he was acquitted and let free, wanted uh, criminal charges pressed against the prosecutor. He wanted to have him prosecuted for attempted murder, trying to say that this prosecutor essentially tried to murder him by knowing he was innocent and wanted oh. to put death penalty. Wow, anyway, that's an interesting that, spin that, on that, that, Yeah, they had, that obviously didn't go anywhere. So I do not know of any um, criminal charges that have been filed. If any of your other listeners have any information on this, and they, probably a lot of people have better background on this than I have, more details and better analysis, but I don't really know of any way he could really be held accountable because I do think there's some serious misconduct on his part. I think he's been detailed a little bit in serial, and I think that just uh, deepened with undisclosed. But my guess would be if we get to the day where Anand is, his uh, sentence is overturned, he's set free. I would not be at all surprised if Kevin Urich continues to maintain his guilt and says that Sarah deceived the public into letting a murderer free and so on and so forth. Um, I'm the uh, I'm the Twitter user who tweeted you about the uh, West Memphis Three a couple days ago. Oh, okay. Um, that's an interesting case that I think has some parallels. It uh, this was down south. I forget which state, but uh, three young boys uh, were tragically murdered in the woods and they convicted these the three teenagers uh, for the crime stating that they were Satanists who murdered them as part of a satanic ritual. And I believe the fact that they listened to Metallica and Red Stephen King were used against them in court to prove that they were Satanists. Well, solid evidence and, in any um, case. <laughs> yeah. I guess most of us are probably Satanists to those standards. Right. And HBO ended up doing some documentaries about the case uh, called Paradise Lost ended up doing three parts. And these three men were eventually released from prison. But the interesting part is, I believe the way I've understood it, is they're still technically guilty of uh, murder. They were able to enter, they were able to get a new trial in which they were offered to plead guilty again 
but they would be sentenced to the exact time uh, they served in prison. I believe it was, it was 18 years and 78 days they had to spend in prison, one on death row before being released. So they, they took the plea, but I believe they still have pled guilty to murder and just have basically a suspended sentence. Right, and, and that's uh, what... Uh... when residents of the state, yeah, residents of the state have pushed the governor there to pardon them from this crime. He refused to do so until they sentenced someone else in their place. Basically, he wants proof that someone else besides them murdered it. So in that instance, I believe the state was... Um, it's West Memphis, Arkansas, where the security was Arkansas. So the state of Arkansas still refused to fully acknowledge that these three men are innocent. Right, and I think that was uh, one of the possible outcomes. I know I've heard it. I don't remember if it was from anyone on the undisclosed team, um, but that you know one of the possible outcomes, because I, in Adnan's case, I think that the last thing that the state wants is another trial. I mean, because when all this comes out, you know, how you know grossly... Uh, negligent this whole investigation was and all the misleadings in it. I don't think they want that to come to public. So I had heard that uh, from somewhere that one of the possible outcomes is they do exactly what you just said, where they say, basically, uh, if you plead guilty, we'll let you go home. Which which I think after all this time would be in not the best interest to take. I know it wouldn't be justice, but um, right. yeah, and after I, I, all this time, it would be, I just want to come home. Yeah, you know, I've had that that discussion with some friends of mine on a on a number of occasions. You know, if that came up, you know, you know, if we were in his shoes, would you want to go through the trial and prove your innocence and risk it, or just go home? But to go home means you have to say you did something that you didn't do. It would be if it, if it comes to that, it'll be it'll be a really tough call, I think. I agree, but since Anand's maintained his innocence for so long, I'll. I doubt at this point he'll, he'll want to cop any sort of plea agreement that would involve him saying he was guilty for something he's maintained since 1999 that he has not done. Right. It would be a tough position that you know nobody should ever have to be in. Um, did you have anything else for us, Brandon? Uh, nope. I think that covers it. Um, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling in. Really appreciate it. And thanks for all the uh, interaction on Twitter. I do remember your tweets because I... I uh, earmarked one of them to look at that documentary when I get a few minutes. So I will be checking that out, and I'll let you know how it goes. Great. Well, you have a nice night. You too. Thanks. Bye. So, Serial Dynasty, this is Bob, and you're on the air. Hi, Bob. This is Anna. Hi, Anna. Is this the Anna I spoke with earlier, hey. or a new Anna? No, this is a new Anna. Okay. I don't think I've spoken to you. I have tweeted you a little bit, but okay. no, I didn't call. <laughs> All right. Well, how are we doing today, oh, Anna? I'm pretty good. Um, I just had a little comment that I'm not sure if my husband really agrees with. <laughs> okay. But I think that um, I think that the police are kind of getting a lot of flack for the whole situation. I don't think what they did was right and how they went about doing it was right, but I think that they had the best intentions. I think that they were really just trying to convict someone they thought did something wrong and I don't know. I'm interested to know, do you know if they're retired or anything? Are they still working? Um, if if memory serves, Detective Ritz um, is no longer with the at least the Baltimore Police Department. Um, he okay. was he was named for some misconduct in another case that involved, um, uh, I believe, basically bullying a witness and coercing statements out of a witness. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I I don't know about McGillivray, and I'm I'm not positive on the details about Ritz, but I I do know that he he I believe resigned after that incident. Really? Oh, interesting. Okay, so they definitely they probably definitely feel some sort of guilt about it. Well, at least McGillivray must have. Yeah, well, it was Ritz is the one that uh, is not there anymore. But yeah, in. You know, a good listen, um, if you're looking for something to, to listen to on the topic is, uh, this American Life episode called Confessions. Um, it was back. Oh, yeah. I heard Susan talk about that. Yeah. And I, I tweeted the link to it out on Sunday. If you can scroll back through the Serial Dynasty Twitter feed, um, cause it's, it, it doesn't show up in their podcast feed. It only shows the latest two, uh, two episodes on there. Uh, but if you go to their website, yeah. you can okay. listen to it. And that's, and it did shed a little light on it. Um, Jim Trainum in that episode 
talks about a, a case where he had coerced a false confession out of um, someone he was he was interrogating and didn't mean to. He actually realized it later. Something else came up. I don't remember what the details were, uh, but he was actually crusading to get her out of jail and now um, is an advocate wow. to change interrogation techniques. So it is possible, I think, for um, after listening to that podcast, that it's it's possible to not realize you're doing it and do it. Um, I yeah. don't. I don't know if that was the case here or not. I mean, I I know for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I can't say I know for sure, but from you know from what I've read and listened to and looking at the statements, it seems very obvious to me uh, that they not only coerced this testimony, but that they had fabricated the timeline. Um, I just don't know what the motivation yeah. was, and it's always you know yeah possible that maybe it was something along the lines of train him me personally and it's just my opinion i don't think that's the case but you know totally. i have a yeah i have a hard time you know um you know speaking badly about law enforcement in general because i do have a lot of respect for law enforcement officers i'm good in because of my life yeah of work. you work with them a lot yeah and uh yeah. so you know i always i always hesitate to say you know oh, the cops were dirty or something like that but uh i i think in this case in my opinion there was there was certainly some corruption there Unless it was, yeah, you know, like train them where it was, you know, unintentional. True, that's true. And I think, I think my biggest, I, I feel like the the biggest draw, the biggest ball dropped was by um, was by Gutierrez. I think that's the that's the thing that makes me the most frustrated about the whole case. I agree. I just feel like she missed so many glaringly obvious things. I agree with you 100, percent and it's. You know, I, I know the police did what the police did, and I know you're, you know, and um, did you listen to episode five of Undisclosed this week? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, where, you know, they spoke about some of the just, you know, knowingly bold-faced lies that he told the jury um, and the way that yeah. he questioned the ME about the lividity. Um, you know, he, yeah. You know, he just did it in a way that she didn't she didn't come clean about the fact that the body had to have been laying prone for an eight, eight-hour period of time. But the I'm with you. Yeah, the most well, and, the most frustrating part is that all this would have been different if Gutierrez would have done her job. She should have got that in cross. Exactly. She, sh- she should have impeached these witnesses. She should have conflicted some of these these statements that they were making. And it's like she just let it all go. Th- I I almost feel like Uric in trial kind of just was was taking little steps. Like, well, I'm going to try to get away with this. I'm going to try to get and and. I think it came to a point where True. he realized she was going to let him get away with anything, and he just went with it. I mean, I don't obviously True. know that, but I wonder if that's not the case. Yeah. Well, and did you read the article that um, Colin Colin wrote a blog post that he tweeted out, I believe today, um, about another case where she kind of dropped the ball on on, a, on lividity? I did, and, and uh, I was shocked to see that it was happening at the same time, so she was aware of her mistake yeah. already. Yeah, so interesting. It's it's so interesting. But anyway, those are my main two thoughts. But okay, well, well, thank you very much for calling in. Where'd you say you were, or did you say where you're calling from? I'm from Utah. I'm from Southern Utah. Southern Utah. How's the weather out there? Ooh, it's nice and hot. That's the way I like it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for calling in. I appreciate your input. Yeah, thanks so much for talking with us and all the all the work you do with this podcast. I love it. Oh, great. I'm glad to hear it and couldn't do it without all of you. You have a great night. Thanks. Okay, talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.
This is Serial Dynasty. This is Bob, and you're on the air. Hi, Bob. Uh, this is uh, Omar from Baltimore, I guess. <laughs> Omar from Baltimore. Are you the uh, Omar that was an old friend of Adnan's? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, sort of the, I, I kind of know Adnan personally, so, uh, or knew Adnan personally, rather. Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah, you know, we've uh, chatted a little bit back and forth on Twitter. Well, hey, thanks for calling into the show. It's great to hear from you. Good, good, good to hear from you. Well, good to be on the show anyway. So, <laughs> so but uh, no, I've enjoyed listening to it so far. So. Uh, good, glad to hear it. Hey, um, before I get to what to uh, the reason you called me, I've got a question for you. I've been waiting to get a call from somebody in the Baltimore area. Um, mm-hmm. The weather, you know, with the last undisclosed episode where they, you know, they had the picture on the website of Hayes' car where it was found and there was discussion about the green grass and things. I'm from Michigan and in Michigan in February, there's no, you know, all the grass, there's no green grass. Um, is, is it typically, you know, that was what end of February, almost March? Are things starting to normally green up about then? Um, I don't think so. No, I, I mean, from my experience, I've lived here for, I don't know. 15 years now, so I, I I don't, from what I can tell, from what I remember, really starts greening up around March, more so than, uh, more so than February. I didn't, I actually, that wasn't really, the part about the, the car, I wasn't really, I, I wasn't really even looking at the grass, even though they pointed at the grass. I just noticed how small her trunk was. Yeah, I noticed that in, well. uh, I think that, uh, Colin said that the trunk was 48 inches wide. And it was full it was of very stuff. Small. It was, yeah, it was very small. And just, and, you know, the fact that, uh, I just really wonder if she could fit in there. And, uh, as Jay said, you know, um, I mean, I, the, the, the couple of times I met, um, Hay and actually saw Hay and Adnan together, uh, she actually, I mean, maybe she had heels on, but she was actually like his height, you know. Yeah, I think I mean, they said she was, so she was somewhere around maybe five foot eight. So yeah, there's no way that yeah. it would have been tough to, to, and, yeah, to, to fit yeah, her well, in. I'm there. about five ten. Yeah, I'm about five ten and then the nun was about my height. So I mean, you know, when I saw them standing next to each other, it would have been, you know, she, he, he didn't like, Outsized her by that, you know, by that much. She was kind of tall as well, so you know. Sure. I so just, I, I didn't. Yeah, I just don't think that she would be able to fit in there just off of that. I mean, I, I didn't pay attention to the grass though, so I couldn't really, I couldn't really tell. Yep. I mean, it possibly was parked there, you know, for, uh, sooner than they said, but yeah. Well, it definitely looked very clean for having sat outside for all that time. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the winter of '99, but we did have uh, the, the weeks after hay disappeared. I, I, I do remember a lot of snow and a lot of ice, and uh, so, so yeah, it did look very clean. But so you were in the area um, that are, are you the same age as Adnan? I'm a couple of years older than him. But, uh, I was, we were sort of in that same group of guys, the, uh, in that, uh, that mosque community. Okay. Did, did you go to the so same when, mosque he did? Yes. And so when, when I first moved here, I think we moved here in 97, he was one of the, uh, he lived on my street. And so I got, I got to know him pretty well and I got to, go, I was actually, I wouldn't say we were close, but I would say we were, you know, pretty good acquaintances. Um, I was actually, I was more closer to his brother, his older brother, and I think my, you know, our families were pretty close to, um, I, my mother was very close to Adnan's mother, Shemim, so. Okay, so uh, you, and you said you had met Hay too? I did on just a couple of days. It was just very casual, very high by kind of thing, so. Uh, so you were, you were living. I, I do remember. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah, but I, that was the one thing I remember, just that they were kind of the same. You know, they were very teenage lovey-dovey, and it was just, uh, you know, totally normal. I, I mean, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, as it's, it's one of the things that, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it, it just, it, happened, it all happened so fast. I just don't remember, I mean, I don't, and, and, 
I didn't even know the facts of the case, really, until really uh, until really serial because I lost touch with him around for a while. So. Right, you know, just just talking to you, I've I've kind of got this sick feeling in the pit of my chest. You know, hearing you talk about Adnan and Hay as being friends, you know, we get. And I'm sure you've heard on all the podcasts, you know, we get so into the case and the evidence and stuff. It's, it's easy to lose track of the fact that they were uh, real people with friends and family and stuff. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's making me sad to think about these, you know, these two teenagers that, uh, that really both, both lost their lives. Yeah. And, um, I think one of the things, you know, I think a lot of us, I don't know, did you watch that Google Hangout with? That's what I think Roger posted. I don't know if you saw that or not. Did you? You know, I saw the link come up, but I haven't had a chance to to watch it yet. Okay. Well, a lot of us, and I was on there too, but a lot of us, you know, all sort of had the same, you know, takes on it in, in the same kind of relationship with that. Not where we were just, you know, we were around each other a lot and we were playing, you know, we were sort of playing ball, seeing each other on the weekend, you know, just teenage high school stuff, you know, like. Some of us were 20, some of us were 18, he was 17. But, uh, you know, he, he just never, even when it happened, I think a lot of us were just kind of shocked. And, uh, you know, even when the arrest happened, you know, I still remember getting, you know, getting that phone call from one of our mutual friends that, you know, he'd been arrested. And I, I just saw him the previous day, you know, that he got arrested and just, you know, we just talked for like five minutes and, Went about like nothing happened, you know, and so. So he had, um, he was, was he just shocked when he, well, I mean, I guess you weren't there when he got the, when he got picked up, but based on what you knew, you know, from talking the day before, certainly didn't seem like somebody that thought he was about to be arrested, huh? No, he just, uh, the, the, the joke was he, he came up and he said, hey, I just realized your initials are OJ. (laughs) (laughs) And then, then, you know, as a, as a joke. I mean, Anon was a real jokester type of person. You know, I, I'd never seen him serious about really anything. I think the one serious conversation I ever had with him was, hey, do you ever think you'll be religious or something like that? You know? Him asking you or you asking him? Yeah, his, him asking me. And I was like, I don't know, maybe. And, uh, he was like, yeah, it's kind of difficult. But, uh, you know, I, that, I, he, like a lot of us, like a lot of guys our age, we just didn't, we just didn't take that sort of thing seriously. And, uh, I mean, when it came to religion, we sort of paid it lip service. So, and I thought one of the things that really, really bothered me about the whole thing was how that got turned against him. Yeah, you know, the, the prosecution making the case that, you know, he had, given up his faith for her. I mean, did, did you get that impression from him that he was that into his faith? Cause I, I think of myself, you know, cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a Christian, uh, on my side, but at the same right. time, when I was 17 years, you know, yeah, I went to church, but it, it wasn't stopping me from doing all the stupid things that I did when I was 17. You know, no, that, I mean, he was just like, he was just like any of us. We paid it with service for our parents, you know, and we went and, you know, yeah, we went to the mosque on Fridays and we all, you know, were around our parents on occasions and we, we played the part that, you know, once we were among ourselves, we acted differently. Right. You know? And so as we were 18, 19 and 20 years old, I mean, <clears throat> so. And I think they. No, he never, he just, he didn't strike me as the type that, I mean, none of us were, were, that heavy into it like that, you know, to where it would be such a, a knock on our honor if someone broke up with us. I mean, it just, you know, if that was the case, I mean, you really could have, if you wanted to make the two-faced argument, you know, you really could have done it with all of us. I mean, sure. You, well, that's, you know, they, they made him out to having these, like, dual personalities because he was doing these things and and still going to the mosque and I think that's I don't think it's dual personalities that's just called being 17 at least in my experiences yeah being 17 being 18 or being, yeah or 19 I was. sure I mean, yeah I, I went I went places without my parents college or me you know yeah even that prom story I remember that prom story that they used against him he told me about that and he thought you know he did a he thought it was hilarious he thought it was funny and he did a uh 
I remember he did a, you know, an impression of his dad and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> and came and, dra- and dragged him out of the, out of the farm and stuff like that. And, stuff. and, you know, he just thought it was funny. He didn't think it was like some, you know, some knock on him or something that he had to be really ashamed of or something like that. He just, you know, he just went by, went, went about doing whatever he was going to do. It sounds like from the way you're describing it, he was just a, he was a pretty chill guy. He was very goofy and very, and very jokester, you know. Like, I just, that's one thing I remember about him was his sense of humor. Yeah. Most, I think, you know, he was just very, very funny and, um, you know, and have, have everybody cracking up and laughing. And, uh, Sounds like the kind of guy you want to hang out with in high school. Yeah, well, he was, he was a, a bit of a magnet for, you know, everybody in that area. So, I mean, a lot of people, you know, even my mom would never trusted anybody in her life. If I told her I was going to hang with her, no, I was, you know, hey, oh, that's okay. Yeah, you know. <laughs> he was all right. Do you, people, people really liked him, yeah. And so, so. Do you, you know, speaking of his parents, one of the questions that I kind of had in, you know, especially in light of some of the new evidence that uh, uh, Robbie and her team had, has just recently uh, uh, disclosed his, his mom's his parents seemed like they were very strict on him. Do you do you know if do you remember if during the weekdays like if he had a curfew or if he was you know if he had a curfew? Yeah, you know, thinking back to the day of of you know Hayes' disappearance, you know, it seems that the body was buried mm-hmm. at you know eleven twelve o'clock somewhere in that hour, and it just right. it seemed to me just from what I had heard about his parents being as strict as they were, you know, would they allow him on a weeknight to be out running around at midnight? You know, if he wasn't home, I, I, I highly doubt it. I mean, it's just, it was, I mean, you know, we would, you would hang out, but it was not, I mean, very rarely were you up out that late at night. Like, well, that's your parents phoning you or calling you or finding them or trying to look for you. You yeah. know, I, that was the way our community was. I mean, my mother was like that too, where if I didn't, if I was at home by a certain, a certain time, you know, like 10 or 11 or something, you know, the phone would start ringing. But Yeah, um, and I don't think that's even specific to that commute. I mean, even for me, my parents were right. pretty far from strict, but on a school night when I was a senior right. in high school, I needed to be home by 10 o'clock. Yeah, and it, well, in particular, I mean, it was during the month of Ramadan, and during the month of Ramadan, you were just, you know, you were around the mosque a, a lot. I mean, you would still be... You know, you could still not fast or no or whatever and just, you know, pay lip service to it, but you, you would be around more because, you know, it, everybody was sort of, it was a time that you would see more people going to the mosque and I think you would go there as well and I would have to be, I would have to go there as well. Um, so. You didn't happen you know, to be at the I mosque mean, that night, did you? No, no, I didn't, you know, no. Actually, uh, what, uh, uh, I only remember this because it was January 31st, 1999. It was my sister's uh, reception, the wedding reception, and uh, Don came and, you know, we were, you know, together the whole time, which was, you know, a couple of weeks after Hayes' appearance. Right. And he never, you know, I, I mentioned to him, as, you know, oh, uh, yeah, I have a girl, and I said, no, no, we're, you know, we're broken up and stuff like that. And so he was just acting normally, you know, and, uh, I only remember that because that happened to be the day of the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like my sister's wedding reception was on the day of the Super Bowl. So this is everybody, poor planning. Uh, was busy. <laughs> everybody was busy checking their watches. <laughs> right. Um, now, so. can you tell me a little, you know, just, and you, and you have kind of already, but just, you, you know, trying to think, I'm trying to think of the, the person and non that's, that's sitting in prison now. Back in those back in those days, I know you said he was a goof. He was goofy. He was a jokester. He seemed chill about it. I mean, mm-hmm. did, did you ever know him to have? I mean, overall his general personality, what I've heard or read and things online a lot were that he was just a very caring person, and he was in. No, nobody ever said that they ever suspected him of any kind of a mean streak or anything like that. No, I mean we would, um, you know, like we would play basketball a lot. It was the thing we did, you know, at the mosque and everything like that. Um, we would play basketball a lot. And, you know, as, you know, being teenagers, you get, 
hot-headed. He started throwing things. I just never, I never saw him do anything like that. You know, I was, I was, I was, yeah, <laughs> I was lost like, the game or something like that. When you I know, I, if we lost the game or or if something went wrong, you know, being hot-headed and everything like that, I was, you know, mad. But I just never saw any anger. I just never saw an anger streak in him. And if ever there's a place to bring it out, it's on a pickup basketball game. I think I've bounced yeah, a basketball. Yeah, pickup. Yeah, I bounced a basketball off somebody's head or, one time. Yeah, or even football or just, you know, just, you know, I just never saw, yeah, I just never saw that any sort of side to him, like, that he could get, uh, you know, angry or upset about anything. I mean, he's just, uh, he's just seeing very regular, you know, like all of us. Just, you know, normal guy. Uh, and very, you know, and just the kind of person that you would want to be around because you could, you know, you you just have everybody laughing at various points, you know, quick, uh, very quick with it as well. Yeah, and you know, I could pick up some of that just from listening to Serial, listening to him talk. You could tell he's he's definitely sharp. He's, he's he seemed like he's a very witty yeah. guy. Yeah, he's very yeah, I and mean, just just funny, very funny. You have. Uh, you know, just, you know, he, he just, he had that sort of, uh, you know, you can, I guess you can kind of see him, I mean, if you're, if you want to look at this from the guilty angle, you can kind of see him as being, you know, using that charisma to manipulate people if you want, but, you know, you know but, you know, he had that sort of, you know, natural kind of charisma to him. So. Right. Um, and what was I just going to ask? Oh, the uh you know the the he said that and that um the reason that Jay had had his car that day was that he had told him to go buy a present for Stephanie who was also did you ever meet Stephanie too no no I never met Jay or Stephanie uh, you know I just I just bumped into him and Hay on a couple of occasions okay. uh, but uh, no I, I didn't know uh, his high school the kids at Woodlawn. I mean, I knew the kids of Woodlawn that were going to the mosque. Right. You know, but it, like Saad, like I knew, I knew Saad as well. That's Robbie's brother, right? Robbie's brother, Saad, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I guess what I was, what I was gonna ask enough. is the, um, you know, you know, him calling Jay and telling him he needs to get a, a present for Stephanie. I mean, how do you read? Does that, does that sound like something Adnan would do? I think it could, it could be. I mean, he was, Always very generous with um, with other kids when I was around them, but uh, as far as you know, just being inclusive and stuff like that. If you're, you know, just in general, if you're, uh, I just from sports. I mean, just playing sports and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it could, yeah. I mean, uh, it would. I mean, you know, knowing what we know now, as as grown us, no, we probably wouldn't lend our car to just anybody, you know. But oh, uh, sure, yeah. You know, I, I I don't know if I guess around then that was a normal thing to do for them. Um, but I didn't uh you know, I, I you know, I I didn't see it I I just didn't view it as, you know, anything suspicious or anything like that. And, you know, all the all the things that brought up to make him seem if you wanted to look at it from a guilty angle, you can sort of say, Well, okay, well maybe Maybe this does mean something, but it's just so circumstantial and and loose. Well, yeah, and it's in uh you know, Susan pointed out when I had her on the show uh, a few weeks back, you know, how easy it is to do the same thing to anyone else, you know, you know, when people are talking about Don and um you, you can take any little piece of information and make somebody look guilty. Yeah. And I think that's exactly yeah. what they did to Don. Right, and and I think what this did for a lot of a lot of the guys that were around him is it sort of brought back that uh, you know almost kind of like a weird survivor's guilt, a strange like feeling of you know this happened to him and if really if the spotlight had just come on us and we knew somebody that has been kidnapped and murdered, then they could have locked up one of us up too. Right, just as easily based on and, the lack of evidence they so, had for him. Yeah, and so now, you know, all of us got to go on and live our lives and have our families and get married and have kids and he's been in prison for, you know, 
going on 17 years, 16 years now. So. Yeah, it's tragic. Yeah. Omar, before before I let you go, do you have any any uh, good Adnan stories from back in the day? Well, uh, I'll share the one that's the most personal, I guess, that um, I'll often, you know, and this was after he had been convicted and been in jail for a few years, and I had lost touch with him. I still used to see his older brother around a lot, so... Uh, in 2003, my father was, um, my father died in 2003. And so, uh, you know, it was probably one of the lower, lower periods of my, of my life at the time. Sure. And so when, you know, and I was going through the, the grieving process and, you know, I, you know, just one day I happened to bump into his older brother. You know, to Rhea, and I said, you know, oh, hey, you know, I was gone and everything. And, uh, he said, good, you know, yeah, he, he wanted me to give you this. And he handed me a, um, a letter, you know, handwritten five, six page letter from Adnan. And, you know, this is, you know, uh, this is after I, I hadn't, I hadn't visited him in prison or anything like that. I had not, you know, hadn't had any contact with him since he had been arrested, really. And it was, you know, five, five, six pages all handwritten, uh, about, you know, how, how sorry he was that this had happened to me and how, you know, how much he shared, you know, his memories of my father and everything like that. And, and that really, you know, meant a lot to me at the time. And, uh, I think I had that letter with me for a good five, six years and I just happened to lose it, I think, when I moved. Wow. But, uh, you know, it was one of those things that, yeah, it really meant a lot to me at the time. They, you know, that someone, and looking back at that, that, you know, someone who has been in jail for four or five years had the, you know, sort of had that within him to reach out to me and think about me at my time, you know. Yeah, that's, that's so. amazing. I mean, it, it's honestly, it's, it's about choking me up thinking about it that, you know yeah. that, that that's that's the kind of person that is is sitting in jail. It's really it it's incredibly heartbreaking. Yeah, it's, uh, it really does feel unfair, and um, I I just you know I'm I'm hoping that uh, you know this process keeps going forward, and uh, that you know we can get another another chance at this because you know I didn't you know I just uh, I just didn't know how bad this case was. I really didn't. I, I remember telling, um, I remember talking to the here about his older brother about it at the time, and I didn't really pay attention, but I said, you know, what's the, what's the evidence here? And he just said, well, it's, it's somebody who claimed that he helped barrier, but he can't really keep a straight story. So I, I just looked at his face value and said, oh, okay, so obviously he must be innocent. You know? Yeah, and then, um, now more and more and more keeps coming out and and now, and now I just I looked at that and I read the transcripts and I listened to his tape and it just it's just like a bad it's like a it, it felt like a sixth grader reading reading lines or something <laughs> it really, it, it, right it's listening to him is like and on those police tapes it just it feels like someone who is just you know has a script in front of him and is a very bad actor. Yeah. I mean, it's almost, you know, if it didn't involve, you know, two young people's lives that have been taken from him, it would be laughable. I mean, it, you're right. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's just, I mean, he can't keep one detail consistent with the next. I mean, it, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just, I, I mean, I almost laughed when he went, oh, snap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like oh snap! <laughs> like, Who said that like, even back in 1999? I mean, I mean, they, I casually you would, but I, I don't think if you told someone that you murdered someone, they would say oh snap. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. Well, Omar, I really appreciate you calling in, and uh, we're gonna keep fighting the good fight, and and and. Promise me this: when we get Adnan out, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a trip out to Maryland and we can all have a beer together. <laughs> all right, we'll do. <laughs> all right, thanks, Omar. Take care. Take care. Yeah, yeah. Bye. bye.
I can't even begin to tell you all what a great experience that was for me to be able to talk to all of you. Um, I definitely think this is a feature that I would like to add into the show as time goes on here. Maybe as uh, my schedule frees up and we have time, maybe I can try to do a, a second episode during the week um, here and there where we can just do these listener call-ins because that was great. And that last call from Omar, it just made my day. And to hear from someone who had a personal relationship with Adnan like that, and honestly, it just tugs at my heartstrings. Some of the stories that he was telling in that letter that Adnan wrote him from prison when his dad died. I mean, it's just heartbreaking that such a such a great guy is in the situation that he's in. I think now after that call, I just need to sit back and kind of take this in for the rest of the night. So I think we're going to end the show with that. Hopefully this motivates all of you to keep fighting this fight. We need to keep driving forward, keep digging and digging and digging. We're getting closer, but we can't stop until we cross the finish line. Next week on The Serial Dynasty, Robbie Ashadri. The Serial Dynasty is funded by listeners like you. If you would like to contribute to the cause, there's a couple of ways that you can do that. You can simply go to audibletrial.com slash Serial Dynasty and download a free audiobook, and that actually does help us out quite a bit. Or if you'd like to donate to the cause, just go to my website, SerialDynasty.com, and there's a donate button. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, don't be alarmed when that jumps you to the Fire Seminars online store. That's my company, and that's where my online store is set up. And again, I want to tell you, I do appreciate you listeners, all the donations that we have gotten. You have really helped to lift the burden off of me in putting this program together. So again, thank you very much for all of that. And more so than any donations or free audiobooks, your contributions to the show by emailing me your thoughts and theories and participating in these call-ins, that's what's making this show happen. And that's what's driving this movement forward to free Adnan and to find the real culprit who killed Heyman Lee. So keep sending those emails in to theories at SerialDynasty.com. And you can always tweet me at SerialDynasty. And until next week, this has been Serial Dynasty.